2: My name is Josh Peck, host of Peck Report on Daily Renegade. I used to suffer with chronic pain from a degenerative bone disease. I was hopelessly addicted to opioids without any end in sight. But then, I discovered Kratom and CBD. I am no longer on prescription drugs and I have more energy and pain relief than ever before. Kratom and CBD have given me my life back without draining my bank account. If you too would like some minor to major pain relief, Kratom and CBD might be for you. Either click on the links in the description below this video or go to dailyrenegade.com on the top left banner or right side ad and check out tropic health kratom and cbd use promo code health 20 for 20 percent off your order and get your life back today today we're going to be talking with dr michael heiser all that and more on today's Peck report Hey, everybody. Hope you are doing well. Uh, well, I have a very good friend named Chad Schaefer. He he hosts a show called Disputed Lands on Take on the World TV. Make sure you check that out on YouTube. He recently did a phenomenal thing for uh, my family, and specifically my son Nathan. My 6-year-old son Nathan is uh, battling cancer right now. He has leukemia. He's he's doing well. He's in remission, but he still has years of maintenance therapy ahead of him, which is incredibly expensive. So um, our friend, our good friend Chad Chad Schaefer, again the show is disputed lands make sure you check it out. Uh he got a whole bunch of people together and and did this whole weekend um uh marathon of of, of interviews as as a fundraiser for Nathan and he he said that you know, I can air some of the, I can air the interviews here on Peck Report. So I wanted to do that for you in case you missed it there. Uh, so you can still see them. Uh, the first interview that he did was with Dr. Michael Heiser. So from time to time on Peck Report, I'm going to air some of these because they're they're really well done. And I, I just, I really appreciate Chad for doing this uh, for us. We didn't ask him to do it. He just decided out of the kindness of his heart that he wanted to help us out to help raise some money for Nathan. So, uh, so without further ado, this is Chad Schaefer's interview with Dr. Michael Heiser. Check this out.
0: Hello and welcome to the show. I am Chad Schaefer. This is Disputed Lands and we are recording for the Josh and Christina Marathon fundraiser. And of course, I am inviting all their good friends and why not? Why would that not include Dr. Michael Heiser? I really appreciate you guys doing this. As you know, we're trying to raise as much money as we can for Josh and Christina to kind of help alleviate them Um, as a body of believers, regardless of where we fall within the regular Christian uh, genre or whether you're part of the fringe as most of us who watch this show are, and uh, you tend to not follow the status quo and uh, just believe whatever you're told about the Bible. uh, You know, you know, Dr. Michael Heiser, he, he's one of ours. Uh, He likes to, dabble in this area of scripture too; those little uh, little bit of corners that people don't like to glance at dr heiser takes a magnifying glass too so without further ado i'd like to welcome dr michael heiser to disputed lands welcome
1: yeah thank you thanks for having me glad well it's my it. pleasure yep yeah, absolutely glad to do it yeah so uh, dr heiser
0: i had asked you uh you know or told you I'd give you a little opportunity. Do you have anything you'd like to say to Josh and Christina directly, uh, at this time? If not, that's fine. I told everybody I'd give them the opportunity.
1: Yeah. Just, you know, just keep plugging away, you know, be encouraged. You know, the, the Lord is in even this, um, you know, all of us have things like this that we, we go through. It's really difficult, you know, when it's, a when it's a child, you know, one of your kids, but, at the end of the day, you know, the Lord is still present. He's still there. And you have lots of people who are paying attention. So, you know, just a note there to persevere. you know, and tr- Trust the Lord with the outcome. And, uh, you know, the Lord will somehow use it, you know, in, in all of your lives and, and you know, to further the kingdom, you know, for, for his glory. I mean, I know those things sound cliche-ish, but they're actually real. Uh, God does do that. Uh, even in in really difficult, dark times. And I know in my own life, you know, it's been those times when, you know, I wanted to quit. I thought I had a reason to quit. It sounded really good you know, in my head to to do something different or to just bail. Um, you know, the Lord has a way of not letting you do that, you know, when, when you should be doing something and just life gets hard. So just keep at it. Trust the Lord. Um, something really good will come out of it even though we can't see it now.
0: Amen. I agree. I agree. If you want to donate, the best way to do that is to go to that website that's listed there. It's scrolling underneath uh, Dr. Heiser and I right now. Go to the Daily Renegade, and you'll want to find the Donate button, and you can donate directly. Uh, Josh says this is the best way to do that. They also have a GoFundMe. Uh, link that will be underneath this video in the description so if you would prefer to use a gofundme uh, then you can do that but uh, i agree with josh your daily renegade is his website it goes directly to him and nobody takes any uh, portion or percentage of the money uh, to do it but i understand uh, that if you feel more comfortable being uh, more anonymous and you're giving that you may want to do the other route um, you can certainly do that. Like I said, we have not set a goal or a cap or dollar amount uh, that we're trying to reach. Um, If you can give a dollar, you can give a dollar. If you can give more, obviously we want you to feel, uh, feel, if you feel led to do that, uh, go right ahead and do that. But Dr. Heiser has uh, done many, uh, interviews on his various books. Um, because of all the interviews you may have missed some of the things that he's done like I have you can't keep up with everything this guy's doing uh,
1: I'm I, I can't keep up with it. <laughs> <laughs> I'm teaching, well, class, teaching classes now in Florida and last night someone in the audience told me that I had done a podcast episode on something and I said like really did I really <laughs> I I believe, (laughs) well,
0: you know, I've, I've only been um, interviewing folks now for a little over two years. And in that two years time at one a week, I have, I went back and counted above. I I have over 140 some interviews that I've done with people. And then I have probably 30 that people have interviewed me about my own book. Uh And so, I mean, that's just, that's just that's YouTube. That doesn't <laughs> count podcasts or right. anything else. And I'm not nearly as well known as you are, so I can I can only imagine what your schedule looks I just
1: like. Told but, everybody to trust her. She was probably right. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> right, right. Well, uh, Dr. Iser, as I start, uh, told you before the show, I just kind of wanted to um, go if we could. You've written several. Uh, books, and I, I wanted to give you an opportunity to kind of just give a rundown of each of those books, and as soon as I can get your uh, website here over to where your books are, it's going to take a little bit second uh, because we're streaming, of course, now, but uh, I'm going to share this. We're going to start off with, um, you can go ahead and tell us a little bit about your fictional books as I I'm getting over
1: there. I do fiction and nonfiction. Uh, My my website is drmsh.com, and there are links to books up there, which I probably need to update. Um, But you can always go to Amazon and put my name in, and and things will pop up as well. Um, One of my goals this year is to write the third uh, book uh, in the novel series. Um, The first one was The Facade. The second Mm -hmm. one is The Portent. And then the third one is in process there you have the the, the two fiction uh, novels and i like to piggyback theology uh onto fiction so the novels are they're fun they're entertaining it's science fiction paranormal supernatural science fiction but there's there's theology in there you know there's divine counsel stuff in there the, the, the nonfiction i'm sort of known for i like to use the, the fiction as a vehicle because you know, let's be honest, you know, for some people, this is going to be their entry point uh, to thinking about, you know, biblical theology. Uh, it's why we do, uh, you know, DVDs and videos with the company I, I used to work for, you know, Faith Life. Um You know, we, we, we create those, those things because for a number of people, they're not just going to pick up a book, this is going to be their entry point. Uh, the place where they get started in content. But what I'm most known for is, is uh, obviously the the book unseen realm uh, unseen realm uh, came out, I think in, it was 2015 late in 2015. And it has, it's sold over a hundred thousand uh, units. So it's, you know, it, it's been, it's really touched a nerve. Uh, I consider that number a good start <laughs> because right. there are just lots right. of people who, you know, it's it it's actually a small audience um, but there're just lots of people i think who would benefit from the content who you know are going to be interested in it and uh, you know numbers like that though that's what i've become most known for but for people who've never heard of unseen realm it's an academic book it it has footnotes in it uh, it's 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 densely packed but it's very readable i had a good editor I had a very experienced editor you can go up and read the reviews on Amazon. There's over a thousand reviews there, something like twelve, thirteen hundred. And mm-hmm. and those are not scholars, they're not people with PhDs and degrees. They're people like you. You know, they're they're lay people who just want to know scripture. They love the Bible. They, they're into Bible study and it's very readable. So I'm I'm hoping people aren't scared away by by the you know the the nature of the book but most of this audience is going to be used to reading books with footnotes. I, I, I'm mm. quite confident of that. But for those yeah. who, who aren't, there's the little version of, of Unseen Realm. It's called Supernatural. has like a red cover instead of the Unseen Realm cover. <clears throat> That's all the core ideas of Unseen Realm in that book, but no footnotes, no academies, no academic arguments and all that stuff. It's just a distillation. And then, on the, the cookies on the lower shelf. I don't think this one's even on the, the website, but I wrote a little book called What Does God Want? Uh, that's hmm. for seekers and new believers. You can find it on Amazon. I, I self-published that one because uh, I want that to be part of some things my nonprofit is gonna do. I, I'm, I'm very big on on trying to get as much of my content out there to the non-American, you know, the non-Western world in all sorts of languages for free. So my 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 nonprofit is miklot. That's dot torg It's a Hebrew word that means haven or refuge. So org, And we pay for translations of supernatural and what does God want. And supernatural now exists in over 25 languages. Uh, what does God want? It's about a dozen. But this is what we try to do, and we we cast it to the wind and hope somebody steals it and reprints it and uses it. And, in digital form, whatever. I just want the content out there. So the, that's sort of the core hub. But the other books that you see here, uh, I Dare You Not to Boring with the Bible, the, the 60 Second Scholar Series, The Bible Unfiltered. Uh, dare, the Dare You book and The Bible Unfiltered are is a compilation of articles I did for Bible Study Magazine so they're very readable it's again it's aimed at the average person in the pew and so is the 62nd scholar series you know zondervan uh, republished that so i'm i'm trying to get content to lay people you know i i, I publish in scholarly journals i'm sitting here today and i'm going to have to be working on an article that will appear in the next iteration of intervarsity press's dictionary of paul and his letters you know i, I do that kind of stuff uh, as as an academic but but for me, the sweet spot is getting content to people who care about it. And well, to be every church who do.
0: That was gonna be along the line of the question I had for you. I mean, I'm not sure, I know you used to do work. I'm not sure if you still do for Logos.
1: Yeah, I've, I've been, I, I left, uh, you can say Logos or Logos, both of them are used in the office or work. Uh, I've been out of there since last June. I think okay. I actually only moved here a month ago. I'm in Florida now. I'm in Jacksonville. Oh, okay. So if I was with Logos for 15 years. Mm-hmm. Uh, my, you know, my when I left my title was scholar and residence, which, uh, you know, is something we made up to try to figure out what in the world Mike actually does when he's here. <laughs> But I was basically writing reference content and writing books. Uh, I did Mm -hmm. a lot of the notes for the Faith Life Study Bible. I did Genesis through Judges, and then I cherry picked other things. So did Study Bible notes, you know, the books, reference content. Before that, I I supervised scholars all over the world in in producing data projects. You know, Logos as a as a product is fundamentally two things: it's a set of databases for Bible research and ancient language research generally and then it's a library you know so we digitize and license lots of books and then we have these databases so the first three years i was there i was i actually created a couple of the reverse interlinears which is aligning every word of an english translation to the hebrew aramaic or greek segment from which it derives i loved that it was grunt work but i loved it and then herding cats with phds you know just people who you have to i was a project manager essentially you know trying to get people to turn in their work you know for
2: for database.
1: so you, you haven't lived until you fired somebody who teaches at Cambridge. <laughs> it's like you're, you're the only one who hasn't turned their work, and it's been two years. You know, <laughs> right, right. Well, I was.
0: <laughs> that that's funny. I, I was going to ask you. I mean, you've been doing this for a little while now. The the research aspect of it, and I and I kind of think I see where the answer to this question is going to go, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, When you were doing the work or just making discoveries for uh, the unseen realm and things like that, what gets you excited today when you're studying uh, scriptures or the Semitic languages? What is there still, are you still finding getting surprised
1: by things? Uh, what what really what really drives the bus for me uh, really gives me a, a I won't say a warm fuzzy I don't I never have warm fuzzy <laughs> 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 but What really what really uh, generates me is interconnectivity. The, this the fancy academic term for that is intertextuality. I'm fascinated by how biblical writers repurpose each other's content, mm. how they create you know, sort of matrices or, or webs or uh, patterns, you know, within scripture. Um, It's, it's just a fascination for me. And to me, it's, it's one of the things that, you know, I'm I'm a big believer in the, in the human element of how we got the Bible. I think if you undermine the human side of inspiration, you actually undermine the whole doctrine. Um, But, but what, what, sort of holds that in its right place for me is the the crazy amount of interconnectedness in all parts of scripture. I mean, you're talking about something that was written over the course of thousands of years by, you know, dozens, and if you throw in editorial work, hundreds of hands, and it's just, it's this web of It's almost like a theory of everything. I mean, everything's there for a reason. It's like everything performs a a role in in, in a bigger picture. It's it's, it's a mosaic. It's like a puzzle. You know, it's just, everything's there for for something. And to be able to do that and come out with a cohesive, you know, supernatural epic salvation plan, to me is a demonstration that there's, there's one, you know, great mind behind it all. That would be the Holy Spirit. You know that 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 God is in this this thing and in this process at every step, no matter how many, no matter how long it takes. It it is what it is because you know God is is in it, and he he has moved people and selected people to to just do this work. And so when you discover the intelligence of what they're doing, that's exciting. Um, and people. You know when i wrote unseen realm i i, I was honest you know I, I told people at the beginning it's like look some of you are going to read this and think this is the, this is the theory of everything it's not this is the beginning point this is just a framework i'm going to build the matrix for you and and once you're in it you will you will re-reference it in your mind as you study scripture i will i'll, I'll show you the lay of the land and you'll not be able to unsee what you see but as you as you go out in your own studies you're going to see that oh i just found this thing that sounds like you know this thing over here that that you know mike wrote about in in the book and that sure looks like it's a piece of another piece of the puzzle it connects to this and then that connects to some other thing that's what i want people to be able to do when they study scripture because that's what the writers were doing it's it's this tapestry it's this web of information it's not like a textbook where we have these little chunks and now this chunk's never going to matter. You know, you, you read it, so you get credit for that. And you know. No, it all feeds into something and, and it, it builds on, on, you know, all the other pieces. So I was going to me, was that gonna is, ask you, uh, uh,
0: you uh, the, along that line of thinking, how, how much of our Western or Greco Roman upbringing in teaching and training uh, interferes uh, or, or does it interfere with the way the Hebrew would have thought? Uh, does it make it more difficult with our way of thinking in the Western world uh, to see?
1: Yeah, we, we, have a number, we have a number of really significant obstacles. The most obvious are chronology. I mean, we're millennia removed you know, from being able to think like the biblical writers thought. You know, and, and even the church fathers, you know, they're, they're four or five centuries away from the New Testament. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you throw the Old Testament there, then they're a millennium away, too. And most of them couldn't even read Hebrew anyway. I mean, it, it, we have a language barrier. We've got a chronology barrier. But I also think we one of the, the barriers, interestingly enough, last night, uh, the, the subject of the class last night, I teach, you know, two nights a week here now, was the importance of metaphor okay we have been trained to think when I, when that we when we read the bible we need to understand it literally like without even asking what that means and and the reality is very few of us want to be understood on a, in any given day literally in all that we say because we we use metaphor all the time but we don't think about it because we're part of this language group, and everything's intuitive in our head. We don't we don't have to take apart a sentence to know. Well, he means this now, and it, you know it's, it's a metaphor over here. We don't need to analyze it. We're just it's all intuitive. Well, that is not true when it comes to scripture, because the way we think and would parse vocabulary, yeah, we would look at it and draw one conclusion. But that doesn't mean the ancient person is going to draw the same conclusion. It's a totally different, you know, mindset. So we, we've been we've been trained to think that. Metaphor means not real, which is utterly false. Metaphors mm-hmm. mean nothing; they depend on, lit- on the literal thing that's being referred to. If I say I am the bread of life, that only has meaning because bread is real. Mm-hmm. Okay, they knew what bread was. Mm-hmm. It was a part of their life. It, it was it was something that existed. It was real, and and you know bread, you know yes, it's a it's a staple of, of your survival, but it's used in other contexts besides consumption. There's different kinds of bread. Some is, you know, bread for priests. Some is bread for not, you know, the different ingredients. I mean, it, the, the thing that exists gives you four, five, six, ten different ways to think about the term. And, and a lot of times biblical writers, that's what they're angling for. Mm-hmm. They're going to use a word not so that you think of this round plump loaf, or in, in biblical days this round, you know, patty or whatever. You know, they they want you to think about it more more comprehensively mm-hmm. and go off in these different directions. But but we've sort of trained people who are interested in Bible interested in Bible study to to like run the other way when you bring up something like metaphor or idiom, you know, an idiomatic expression and it's hard because we don't we don't catch that immediately because we're not part of that culture you know Leviathan you know i'm I'm sorry but it it's not about a dinosaur mm-hmm. okay Leviathan meant something to that world that was really significant, and they did believe that you know God or the gods had to engage the con- you know the the forces of chaos to bring about order in creation, and the way they metaphorize the forces of chaos is this beast that has to be overcome by a warrior you know the warrior deity versus the the, the forces of chaos you know th- this is just how they communicate ideas and i think that's a real obstacle for us we don't our brain doesn't default to those categories because we're just not part of that world so I, i'm hoping you know in the class last night i just told him, look what i'm trying to do is is, is put more on the table for you. You know, when you look at a word, it's not just, oh, I found the Hebrew word in Strong's, and Strong's gives me six options. You know, which one do I want to pick? Well, oh, this is the one I like because it enforces the interpretation that I've already brought to the text. That's not word study. That's what people do, but it's not word study. You know, the, the first thing you need to do is step away from the list and think about, well, if, if we put metaphor on the menu, that gives us like five or six other options to think about. And, and then we need to start thinking about, you know, what the possibilities are in context and, and does it work in other contexts or those other contexts like this one, you know, to, to try to put yourself into the passage and into, into the mind of the author, not just default to a list that frankly is based on the King James version anyway, because that's what Strong's had to work with. But you know, we're, we, we limit ourselves by the methods we use, by the way we're taught, you know, to think about uh, scripture. And, and just it, it just makes the job harder. I mean, it's already hard. You know, why, why do we want to make it harder by limiting our options? This is why I say often in interviews, look, I don't, I don't care if you land where I land. I mean, you don't have to come to the, the same conclusion that, that Mike, you know, comes to. I'm going to tell you why I I land there and and what you'd have to give me, you know, for me to switch sides. I mean, I'll tell you that. But what I'm more interested in is that you're able to to discern what the biblical text can sustain in terms of interpretive options. Hmm. And for me, at the end of the day, the best interpretation is not the one that works in the passage that I'm looking at. It's the one that works in every passage where that passage gets repurposed elsewhere mm-hmm. i'm looking for something comprehensive mm-hmm. i'm looking for, you know, again to build out the matrix uh, it, it should the scripture should make sense to scale not just in this little you know i got an interpretation now i never have to look at that again i never have to worry about that you know the sons of god are satellites you know I, I can abandon that now <laughs> you know, well okay it, it works if you, if you isolate that and don't look at other right. things but again, scripture, that isn't the way scripture operates. It's not what the biblical writers were doing. They're mm-hmm. constantly referencing each other and, and repurposing material because they're, they're building a tapestry. They're building a breadcrumb trail. I mean, whatever metaphor helps you, you know, they're, they're building the bunny trail They're, you know, again, whatever helps, they are putting their, their dot connectors,
0: mm-hmm.
1: what they do, their dot connectors. And, and it's hard for us because we have so many obstacles to pick up, the well, it's Once Sometimes you, run, you know you can run with it. it.
0: It 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 even makes more sense that we're talking about most people, I guess, other than Hebrews, but the culturally and culturally around them, you didn't have a bunch of people running around that were scholars. They re, they relied on a verbal storyteller or a communicator yeah. or an orator. And so the ability to paint pictures with words uh, was more important. Um, yeah.
1: You know, the, and, and, the, the priestly class who are producing scripture, you know, they, they are going to be quite literate. And they're mm-hmm. going to they do for their audience. It's, it's what geeks do. Okay. Yeah. But at the same time, they also have a responsibility, again, within the priestly class, you know, to, to teach the populace. And then the populace, you know, has a responsibility to teach, you know, their families and so on and so forth. And so th- this is why I think your observation is is on target. This is why so much uh, narrative storytelling is so much of scripture uh, for this reason. And it, it's not just itineraries, it's, you know, you, you get those, but it, it's, it's, it's the majority of it is not just itineraries and drive. We went here, we did that, you know, we bought lunch here, you know, that, that's not what they're doing. They're in the process of describing the unfolding of a plan, okay, of, right. of a program, of, of a strategy, you know, really of, of, of God seeking to have his way with his people on this planet because he made them you know but, but he didn't make robots either i mean he, he these are his decisions you know to do it the way he did it and so he is working a plan to bring things back full circle to what he wants it to be mm-hmm. and and that is often that often defies sort of an academic discussion you the only way you can really get that is with story uh, and so scripture is heavily you know into this sort of thing and when you tell stories you have to create scenes mm-hmm. you, you you have to you have to use you know imagery and metaphor you have to drop a, a line here and, and your audience needs to know that. I bet I'll see that again. I'll bet I'll hear that word again. I bet I'll I'll see that image again. I'll bet it will write up in this place again. I, I bet, I bet, I bet, I bet. This is why I tell people they'd, they'd get more out of their Bible if they read it like it was fiction, like it was a novel. Because when you pick up a novel, your brain just sort of clicks into novel gear. You know that the writer is doing something to you intentionally, mm-hmm. leading you somewhere. Mm-hmm. You're being you're being played with, okay? I mean, you, you just know that you don't you don't think that at all when you read a textbook, right? You know, so if you read it like like it was intentional, <laughs> you know, you'd actually get more out of it, uh, and 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 all of all of the options that an author has to steer you or direct you or misdirect you, or again, the way stories are told, this is all on the table. But but we tend to to just not even approach it out of the gate like that. We, we tend to approach the Bible, like it's a list of propositions, you know, and so oh. does,
0: is that um, is that then the driving force? Or was that the driving force then behind uh, the uh, uh, where it would be, I guess on your main page, uh, then the uh, online curriculum teaching uh, that you're doing can you tell me about the school of uh, yeah
1: <clears throat> this is kind of an interesting story i mean if if people want the, the fuller version of the story they can uh they can listen to the naked bible podcast episode 279 and that's the story of why would mike do something crazy like leave Lagos and, and move to jackson
0: <laughs> you know, and, and, oh you're in jacksonville I'm okay. in
1: jacksonville you know and and, and I'm, I'm now part of, I'm, I'm part of a megachurch, which the words Mike Heiser and megachurch really don't belong in the same sentence. So <laughs> I'm like the antidote to megachurch. Okay. Well, um, again, the the longer story is in this episode. But but in a nutshell, if you've ever wondered what would happen if one of these very typical huge, we're talking twenty twenty five thousand people here one of these huge megachurch networks that are pretty much entertainment-based and kind of, you know, not content-oriented at all, what would happen if the leadership all of a sudden kind of got jolted out of that and realized that, you know, what we're doing here really isn't the Great Commission. (laughs) like what would happen well, i think there's a
0: number of us who have thought that along the lines right. in, and in I, our community and
1: and i'm i was one of them you
0: know? yeah
1: and so I, I i more or less get to live that now because it, it's this has been we're we're coming up on 2 years now for this this church the transformation of this church and and its context and and they have They have 14 campuses. Eight of them, I think, right now are international. At this time next year, they'll probably have five or six more, uh, and most of those international. Um, They're very mission-minded. But that transformation of of becoming a content-producing church and doing a 180 um, is is present here. This is what, what is happening, and so I was asked, to to come here and help the church, you know, help give the church content and and repurpose the content, you know, for what they're doing inside the walls here. And then also, you know, to to teach that in a in a school format. And the mission is to get that in as many places internationally as possible. And so that that's the short version of why I came here. But what we're doing here is it's a two-year program. We are not pursuing accreditation uh, by design. This is for lay people. The first year, I'm going to go through the content of Unseen Realm in 30 weeks, so in in quite a bit of detail. uh, I will be adding content for people who've already read Unseen Realm. For instance, this semester, they're, they're going to get access to the Demons book before that actually ships on Amazon, and we're going to be drilling down into stuff that's in that book but i want to teach them i want to give them the framework of biblical theology in the first year so we're going to use unseen realm as the the guide for that and then the second year is going to be focused on drilling down into important topics with a bent toward what i call sort of fringe apologetics or postmodern apologetics you know alternative jesus theories you know jesus mythicism you know this kind of stuff that that the average person Will run into on TV or on the internet or on a podcast that is hostile to their faith. So that's what we're doing. That, that, that's the two-year plan. I'm already in conversation with a couple of schools who have, who are interested in giving our students credit uh, for what we do here. You know, if 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 the student you know goes on to one of their their degree programs, and, th- and that's fine. I, that's that's helpful but we're just trying to get as many lay people really brought up to speed in terms of biblical theology and what scripture is and and how to how to become better readers and really really enjoy the bible just enjoy biblical theology to to, to graduate them from Sunday school or you know from a a situation where every sermon is essentially a repetition of the gospel yeah, you know, obviously the gospel is important. It's the whole reason why we're all here. But Sunday school should not be forever. And <laughs> and and not everything in the Bible is is the Romans Road. Um, there's lots of stuff to think about. That again, I, I think people need they need a little shot of of the grandness, you know, of what Scripture is to really appreciate uh, the whole enterprise. And, and again, to strengthen their face. So that, that, yeah. that's what we're doing. I, I have classes that meet live. We got about 120 people in the live classes, and another 600 in distance. So it's kind of crazy numbers already. This is the first semester. We have over 700 people enrolled in this. So when it breaks international, uh, you pressure, mind, uh,
0: yeah, you you have a fax down here with the uh, with all the. Uh, Frequently asked questions, but while I have you, I might as well ask. But what are the what what are the kind of costs that people are looking at to uh, sure. take your one and two year classes?
1: Yeah, for the 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 goal is that this this pays for itself. So, the the, the each fifteen week semester is the retail. If you want, I, I guess I could use the word retail is five hundred dollars four ninety nine. They run it. They ran an early bird here for like five or six months, you could get it for $100, $150 less or something like that. And so most people got in on, on the ground floor there. But for a year, the whole year would be $1,000 if you pay, you know, without a, a discount. So it's it's far less than what you'd get, you know, at a normal institute. You know, what happens is when when I teach a class in the evenings, then there's a two-week interval between that class and when it's it's dumped onto the uh, onto the website, the the learning management system we're using Brightspace. Uh, it's it's a two-week interval because in those two weeks, then the video team will swap in the slides. You know, they'll do the post-production stuff, and so you know we're paying those people to do that. Um, so it's self-sustaining. Uh, you know we, we're paying for the space the learning management system, the support you know all that kind of stuff so it, it'll it'll cover costs uh, and we hope it'll it'll cover it enough that when when it gets exported to uh, these international campuses um, celebration church, which is where I'm at now um, you know they've got they've got 14 churches in Africa they've got you know one of them is sort of the the hub you know, uh, place that counts as a celebration campus in, in their in their network model. But it's just places like this. That we've got them in Southeast Asia. We got a campus in Paris. We've got one in New Amsterdam. Mozambique is the one in Africa. We've got Bogota, Colombia. There's gonna be something starting in South Africa, you know, and a few other places in Southeast Asia, but they it starts next year where where they've been for a long time. You know, they they feed over 40,000 orphans in Africa a day. The, the, the dollar goes a long way there, and so we're hoping that with with what we're charging, we can pay our post-production people, and then we can have you know a certain percentage, maybe a third or, or so, get shoved into missions again to pay staff people on that end, you know, whatever region they're in, to do post-production there or do you know assist with grading you know, do, do something interactive with students, because I'm just one person, you know, I, I'm, I'm already sort of, you know, maxed as far as, you know, interaction, I, I can handle a few hundred a week, but, you know, we're going to have to staff up, um, you know, to make this functional, but, but the goal is, again, to, to get biblical theology in front of the face of, of as many people as possible. And in the third world, you know, they're either going to get it for extraordinarily low cost or free. I mean, again, my nonprofit is going to, is looped into this because we have these translations of my books already done. And so they're going to get thrown right into the hoppers. So people will get that, act, that information for nothing. Uh, my ultimate goal is to have what I, what I consider a seminary equivalent education on a, flashlight, a flash drive and then replicate it for free and infect the globe with it.
0: I was going to, I was going to say, uh, it sounds like, uh, I mean, obviously they brought you down there. Uh, your work, uh, of course is convenient. You know, it, and it's easily translatable for you to teach. Uh, is there plans to bring on others like-minded, uh, yeah, to I will, help in I'll, this endeavor to teach?
1: I'll be, I'll be tapped, you know, at two years in, in terms of just logistics, you know, scheduling. Uh-huh. So the, the goal is, um, and I really need to to learn a little bit more about how I know like like Chuck missler used to do this where he would like certify people and they would you know i'm I'm not that familiar with with missler's structure, but there are ministries that do this so i'd I'd like to get five or six people that that if I were gone could teach the class or we could just export it physically so you have more live classes you know in mm-hmm. other places, and then I could just you know travel around or something like that. So we, we need to we need to do that, and then I already know scholars who know what we're doing here. And I've already had conversations like, "Can you come in for two or three days and and basically do the thing that you love? Mm-hmm. Uh, like or a week, you know, you do it twice a week, you teach two nights a week, you're here for a week, you know? Can you, you know? So we're going to do that. That would be like beyond the second year kind of stuff, uh, where I will I'll find people who can work that into their schedules and would enjoy it, you know, would, would do a good job too. But what I'm looking for is, is things that really address thinking well about scripture and thinking well about the, the flawed thinking that people encounter so often today in mass media, you know, online especially and on TV. I, I wanna find people who uh, have spent time addressing very specific things and helping people think better, and not only to defend their own faith, but to have better conversations instead of shouting matches. You know, to have have more probative conversations with people who just need to think well about the Bible when they aren't. They, they've created a caricature of the Bible and about and Christianity, and then they shoot at it. Well, yeah, it is, it's an easy target if you get to make it this thing that it isn't. Mm-hmm. but you need mm-hmm. to be challenged on, on your caricature. And, and if you want to have a, a better discussion, you need to you know look at it a whole lot better than what you're doing now. Uh, Cause right now you're just, you're doing something that's easy for you because mm-hmm. you're troubled by it. Um, it doesn't have to be that way. We can have a better conversation.
0: Well, and I don't want to, I'm not poking at, um, you know, current, uh, schools that are out there, but I can tell you just from my own personal experience, it's what I have to go by. Um, is that it seems that the train of thought that established schools of theology or whatever have been down, we have no other conclusion to draw that, that they those who are coming out of there have led us to where we are today when it comes to ministry in the public eye. That's the only conclusion we come up because they bred these guys and men yeah. and women in the ministry, and this is what we've resulted with.
1: Yeah, it. it but
0: we've seen periods of that in the past. I mean, you talk about the big Ivy League colleges; they too were once yeah. schools of ministry, and it almost seems necessary that there are times frames where it's it's not to condemn, it's not to put down, but it, it's there's a time where we need to, as a body, okay start over rebuild yeah uh, not uh I'm, see I'm where actually, things have may have gone astray and try to see if we can get some of that back i mean would you agree with that oh, thought line
2: yes yes i would and all right, if you want to see the rest of the interview, you gotta go be a member at dailyrenegade.com. Go to dailyrenegade.com, become a member today for only ten dollars a month or a hundred dollars a year. Get the hundred dollars a year because then you get two months free and you just gotta pay for it once. You don't have to think about it again. So that's a pretty good deal. Make sure you go do that, dailyrenegade.com for the rest of the interview with uh rest of Chad Schaefer's interview with Dr. Michael Heiser. Um, And so you will be able to do that in the member section at dailyrenegade.com if you get a membership today. All right, everybody viewing for free. Thank you so much. Members, hang on the line. Everybody else, make sure you subscribe. Uh, Check uh, check out Chad Schaefer's Disputed Lands on YouTube. It's Take On The World TV. Um, So people viewing for free. Thank you so much. Until next time, take care and God bless.